This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. Where I can't think of a better thing or time to get into the swing of spring than Zupan's floral design and wine classes, which can be done virtually or in person. So they're Sundays from 2 to 4 p.m. You'll end up with some flowers, too. So you can get tickets, of course, at zoopans.com. But for instance, April 11th, there's citrus and flowers. That's only virtual. April 18th, they have clusters, bunches, and bundles. Oh, my, on Burnside. And then everything's coming up roses, May 16th. So that's a virtual class, too. And there's some more. Um, if you scroll down the way I am right now uh, on Zupan's website, if you're interested in flowers, this is the way to um, not only get your hands on some beautiful flowers and smell them, but also learn to arrange them. I think uh, flower arrangement oftentimes is very underappreciated. So I think this is a great time, whether you're a man or a woman, to kind of up your game and uh, just add that extra touch you know, if you've got uh, finally when we reach the point where we can have family and friends over in, in in bigger numbers and have, you know, have a great little centerpiece there and people will be like, ooh, who did that? And you can be like, I did. Or like my girlfriend, you just want it there anytime. Right. She, and so I've learned, I, I finally got the hint. She always brought flowers over and now they're here sometimes when she arrives and I, and I started picking them from outside my house too. So I feel like that's even more heartfelt as these came from, these are organic and natural and came from the property, Yeah, but it's also my cheap way out. I should be going to Zupans to get some of these beautiful, beautiful arrangements and flowers. Great place for you to do it. Let's talk quickly here. We've talked about uh, floral and wine. Let's talk about some bright Pilsner real quickly. Uh, brand new to your local Zupans market is a farm-to-market modern Citra Pilsner. It's a collaboration, Chris, between uh, Zupans and Von Ebert. A bright modern pills brimming with citrusy and floral hop aromas. Uh, you can go into your local Zupans and pick up a four-pack for only thirteen ninety-nine. Or you can even just try a single can for five bucks. Actually, four ninety-nine. Less than that. Less than that. So three locations that you can pick this up. Your local Zupans in Lake Oswego. McAdam, West Burnside, and all the information you ever could hope for. Where, Chris? Zupans.com. All right, it's time once again. It's Portland's Food Scene Podcast. It's right at the fork with your host, Chris Angelus from Portland Food Adventures. Hi, Court. How are you? That pause, Chris, had me slightly worried. <laughs> what, you thought I was dropping dead? Something like that. We, you and I, uh, we, it, it's been a little while since we've actually, uh, we, we've seen each other via Zoom. We actually don't have our cameras on right now, but we haven't seen each other in person right. For some time, I've I've been, had intentions to come visit you out on the coast. That hasn't happened yet, but uh, so yeah. So when you when you didn't reply right away, I'm like, oh great, technology. Yeah, well, it's been over a year actually since we've seen each other. I think yeah, it was March, maybe even February. Well, since I, we last I, recorded I think in I, the studio. I think at some point in the summer, Chris, we had some sort of handoff of something um, down in front of the uh, PacWest building. 
um that was the brief moment oh, we man, we got a good memory yeah we saw each other both wearing our face masks uh hardly recognizable and uh you know uh, we literally i think we handed handed something off and then we went our separate ways that wasn't me that oh, was, i was oh. wearing a mask you didn't recognize oh. was taking something from somebody else oh well okay well i i guess <laughs> hope you enjoyed it yeah um, but we're getting used to this and you and I were speaking just a moment ago before, uh, everything was turned on and lo- mics were live. Um, we're doing our best to get the technology straight. However, we don't always have full control because our guests have their own setups. And so, um, so thank you everybody for, for bearing with us. Um, we're doing the best we can being able to record a podcast remotely. And we're glad you still listen to us. And we certainly hope that you subscribe and share the podcast with your friends too. So we're, we're, uh, we have some exciting episodes coming up. We've had a, a really good last couple of months with some fun, um, fun guests. And this one is no exception today. Yeah, I was actually, it was funny. You sent me the calendar invite for, for our guest today, Chris, and you, for some reason, you did it all in, in Spanish. And so for some reason, I, I thought we were, we were having somebody, um, you know, a Spanish speaker, a native Spanish speaker on the show. And it didn't quite correlate that I'm like, oh, wait a minute. We've got a returning guest this week. Yes. And our returning guests have started asking, at least Atom did last week. If we have anything for two-time guests, like a T-shirt right. or something, yeah. So we don't have a right at the fork any paraphernalia. Nope. But you know, maybe we can, maybe we can, um, we can solicit some T-shirts from some of our restaurant friends who have T-shirts who'd like us to promote their business by saying we're giving you a we're giving you a such and such T-shirt for appearing on the podcast. I thought two times, but maybe the three-time guests. We have some of those, too. And, you know, we're in year eight. So we repeat some of the folks that we like a lot, including Missy Mackey, or known to some as Melissa Mackey, depending on how you, depending on your relationship with her. Right. Yeah, I mean, she's had- Not yours. Right. Now, not mine, but just you're speaking in general. She has had, I mean, I think all of us will look back at uh, 2020 as the year of change. And I think for uh, for Missy, 2020 was a huge change for her and her family. She's a great guest to have on with regard to the Portland food scene. Of course, now she's in, the idea is she's moved to Missoula, Montana with her family. And we talk about that at length, how and why that happened. And um, and but she's still related to our food scene because she works for Landry's and in fact is in charge of sales for McCormick and Schmick's and Jake's. So she not only is related to Portland, but their franchises all over the country. So she's got kind of a bigger picture than just Portland. And I, we've tried to maintain that throughout this pandemic, realizing it's not just Portland that's going through this really challenging time with regard to the food scene. Um, so I thought it was good to catch up with Missy for a number of reasons. And of course, everybody knows she had her radio show, The Simple Kitchen, for a long time, on which I appeared quite a few times and really enjoyed myself uh, uh, at the recording sessions. So we thought it would be fun to check in with her 
as time goes on, I know I've noticed more and more folks leaving Portland. This is something that I thought was blast would have been blasphemous five, ten years ago. Why would anybody want to leave Portland? And uh, I can't really question that any longer. I still love the city. We all still love uh, much about it and much that we think will return someday. But uh, but. You know, having someone like Missy leave, it's an indication that there were greener pastures somewhere else. And everybody's got their own pastures. So um, I thought it was fun to talk to her as well. You know, we're hearing yesterday, I heard from my, or a couple of days ago from my friend Jose, that one of the best places I've ever been, most fun restaurants I've ever been, tickets, bar, in Barcelona has closed its doors for good. Yeah, that's huge. And, that's that's a huge uh, loss to Barcelona. That, that well, it's not only them. It's a whole. It's a whole. Uh, many of the restaurants in their group, except for Enigma. However, we know they are planning something new. But when you hear about that stuff, it's really sad. And I spent yesterday morning putting together a little. Um, uh, I don't know video of all the things. We'd eaten over three visits to tickets, and it made me very, made me a little teary, actually, to uh, think that we used to have these experiences, and hopefully we will again. But wow, I really appreciated watching all the incredible food and the laughs we were having together with Jose. Um, I hope we all get back to that when we can get out and have a good time with each other at restaurants. And Missy. To, to bring this full circle, is very positive about that happening, not only in Portland, but elsewhere. And I think it's important to listen to a professional's take. I mean, her job is to make money for Jake's and McCormick and Schmick's, and she's got a very positive outlook now. So um, it's, a, it's an interesting podcast to listen to. It's always really easy to talk to Missy. And I haven't spoken to her since she left, or actually over the past year. So it was nice to catch up, and I think everyone will enjoy uh, catching up with Missy and hearing what she's doing and knowing she's not completely out of our lives. Right at the Fork is supported by Zupan's Markets. Whether you're an expert chef or a connoisseur of great cuisine, Zupan's Markets has been the number one destination for the food and wine lovers of Portland and beyond for over 40 years. West Burnside, McAdam, and Lake Oswego, or Zupan's.com. Ringside Steakhouse. It's time again to slice into the best steaks and service available in Portland. Seating is now available by reservation only for indoor and outdoor dining at ringsidesteakhouse.com. And check out the newly opened New England-style fish and chip spot with a Northwest personality, Rock Paper Fish, a partnership between the Peterson family and Portland icon Micah Camden in the old Boxer Ramen space on East Burnside for takeout only. And by Portland Food Adventures, Cabin Fever, book a fantastic culinary vacation in 2021 with podcast host Chris Angeles. Experience the best of Basque Country with Javier Canteras of Erdineta or Western Sicily with Taste of Italy's Austri Enzyme. Whet your appetite and get more information at portlandfoodadventures.com or contact Red at the Fork host Chris Angeles for more details. Uh, we have not communicated really since you left town. You just you just picked up 
filled up the wagons and, and got the fuck out of here. Uh, got the fuck out of there is a great way to put it. 100%. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's so hard when you leave somewhere and we can dig deep into that. It's really hard. I'm going to look at you. So I stopped fixing my hair when you leave because I mean, obviously there's reasons, you know, we left for an opportunity. Um, but obviously you wouldn't leave if things were perfect. If you were like, Oh, thanks for the opportunity. But you know, my life is so perfect, you know? So, um, you know, there was just a lot going on. So, yeah. I have to say there was a day when I heard that anybody was leaving Portland and I would think, well, yeah, what, what memo did they not get? Yeah. And so why don't you go back a little mm -hmm. bit? And we may have the last time we spoke, but we okay. can't just assume that everybody's going to go refer to that podcast. So go back a little bit how you got involved with the food world. I believe it was your cooking that you got you going in the kitchen and then yep. went from there. Yep. Um, I started a blog. It really all started around me wanting to be a mom. And it was a very stressful time um, because we dealt with fertility issues, which don't worry, I'm not going to go into that. I'm just like, I'm done talking about it. Um, but one thing I turned to was I to keep myself calm and sort of a healthy thing to focus on was cooking for my husband and I. So I started a little blog called um, I think it was called cooking for two. And so then I hired someone to actually fix the website and she helped me actually rebrand and it turned into um, uh, Mrs. Mackey cooks. And there's a big thing about attaching your name because number one, no one else will have the same thing. And there were like three other blogs with the same name. She was like, did you know this? Like you're going to get in trouble if you get any traction. So it changed to Mrs. This is Mackie Cooks. And I really just started trying out recipes, changing them. And then um, in between, I would write about all the shit I was going through. Like, oh, well, here's the 85,000 needles I'm sticking into my stomach because I don't know if I was born on top of like a nuclear plant or something, but I can't have kids for some reason. And so it just became, I started to get this following. Well, a radio station was following. And apparently they had been talking about it and like, did you read this? Did you hear what's going on with Missy and all of this? And they asked me to come in. So I was like, oh, yeah, we'll come in and talk to you. I seriously thought that they would want, you know, like a lot of radio stations, someone to call like, hey, what are you cooking for Christmas this year and stuff? Right. I'm like, I'm perfect for that. I have a full time corporate job in the food and beverage industry that was only growing at that point. Like my job kept getting bigger. So I didn't really have any aspirations to be on stages or, you know, orating or hosting things or being a radio personality. So I went in and I, I literally, Kristen, you could see this. I sat, you know, on this leather couch and I'm looking at this guy and he's like, actually got like a sales title. And I'm kind of like, Oh, I could buy and sell this fucker. All right. What do you got? You know, <laughs> and, and, um, and I probably had more experience than him. You know, I could just tell. And, and so, so I was just super frank. I, like I said, I, I, I mean, I don't think I told you this, but I dropped a couple F bombs, you know, and I'm like, Oh yeah. I mean, you know, this is what I do and blah, blah, blah. And the guy looks at me and he goes, would you talk to our vice president? And I was like, your vice what? Or whatever. So this guy comes in and we talked for very briefly and then they leave and come back and they said, we just want to do this right now. We want to offer you a 
a show. And I was like, okay, well, I have a job. I'm not leaving my job. I have great benefits, great schedule. And they're like, yeah, yeah, no, 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 Like we, like Saturdays. So first it was on Saturdays. Did you have kids then? It's not as though you didn't have. I'm not pregnant on the show. Yeah, exactly. Like you kind of were looking forward to your Saturdays before this happened, I would imagine. Right. And I actually, the only reason, well, anyways, blah, blah, blah. So I got the show and it really quickly picked up. And at first it was just me talking about cooking. Like I would have a chef come in that I knew and we would talk about like how to cook meat and different sides of meat and all of this. And like, I had a year that I was like in love with butchery. So I had like lots of butchers on and you know what I mean? It really was kind of what I felt like doing. And then I had a hard time getting chefs on because of Saturday. So we moved it to like, they let me move it to Sunday and then they were made it from one hour to two hours. And then I did that for like seven years. And it went wow. on until the station sold and I couldn't like, I couldn't be on their payroll. That was my big thing was I have my own way of monetizing and making it work for me, what I get out of it, but I can't work for you. You are, you will not be my boss essentially. Okay. And that didn't work out. Um, and so we parted ways and, um, and that was perfectly fine. Um, but my producer's still my producer. I'm just not producing anything. <laughs> <laughs> so the same guy spooky is like still like hello are you gonna shoot me any stuff and I'm like I'm just not there yet I went through a lot of changes so anyways during that it was like the first year the very first feast happened so the world turned their eyes to Portland and everything started changing and there weren't a lot of me out there does that make sense yeah, no. yeah, I don't think there was anything special about me other than I really didn't take myself overly serious. So it was very easy to get me to, sure, I'll, I'll do that on your stage for you. I'll introduce those people. You know, sure, I, I'll bring your, you know, marketing people started reaching out. Like, absolutely, let's interview them. You know, we need to get these. I've got a new chef, and they need to have an interview. They need to, you know, go through this process. And I'm like, radio is perfect because it's not in front of the camera. It's casual. I've got lots of booze for them, you know, um, and all of them don't drink now. So <laughs> I don't think anybody drinks anymore. Right. I say like alcohol is now like the cigarettes of the 80s or the 90s. Well, yeah, but <laughs> I would imagine there's more going on than you think. I think you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Especially over the last year. <laughs> yeah, last last year. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Um, and then everything kind of worked out in the same because my position became a national position. I was traveling every month. Um, so everything kind of worked out perfectly with my promotions and what was going on with my job. And I, and I really, really, you know, this I really love my job. Mm -hmm. So um, everything worked out great. And I have I have so I have a lot of thoughts on like what I want to do, but anyways, let's just stay focused on this. So that's how I got kind of in the public eye. It was a little reluctantly. I actually did not want my name on the show, but because um, I said, I love the simple kitchen and they were like, perfect. The simple kitchen with Missy Mackey. And I was like, Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, I have a little bit of anonymity and they said, well, you won't have that. If you have a radio show, like you won't have that. And I said, okay, well, we'll give it a try. And my husband said to me, hey, even if it only, he's, I remember this because I was like, I don't know, like, this is very scary. And he said, even if it only lasts for three months or three shows, 
you're going to always be able to say, oh, I had my own radio show. And it's we would laugh about that because we're like, isn't that funny? We were like, oh, no one's going to listen. You know? <laughs> I'm sure that on Sundays when you were on your way out the door, he was wishing sometimes that, gee, I wish it only lasted three months. And that With was it. little babies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It did it. get hard. Because it was it, you were on the air for two hours, but you're there before and then you're there after, and people always want to stay and talk, you know, because it's a really you've been there. It's a really warm environment. Um, so it was it was a it was a really fun chapter in my life for sure. Right. So, and your husband is a basketball coach and was in, as I understand it, in Sandy. Correct yes. me. Yeah. Well, he was in Beaverton for like 13 years. He's also a high school teacher. So taught and coached in Beaverton. And then Sandy um, received a, uh, or they passed a bond to build a new school. And it was, there was a lot of things in our lives that were sort of happening. That was when actually I, we started dating. And so he said, would you move to the East side? And I'm like, I, I, I am East Side material, but I was thinking close then. I wasn't thinking that I was going to turn into a Happy Valley mom, which I did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, yeah, so we moved out there and he had the opportunity and he was there for over 10, I think 11 years. It might have been 12 years. Jeez, I'm terrible at this. But he actually got to assist because he was head of physical education as well as the varsity basketball coach in the process of the build of the whole gymnasium and the locker rooms where his office was and all of that, and then be able to um, actually play games there. It was, it was a really fun time. And then during all of this, the babies were born and all of that. So it was a pretty special time. It was pretty hard though, too. It was the practice for moving further East, quite a, quite a bit further East. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to segue into that? Like, yeah, that was the idea. Oh, that was the, okay. I, you know, I'm speaking to a professional here. You can recognize the yeah, segue. I'm like, was that it. my segue? Okay. So what happened, I'm leaning in. I know that the listeners won't be able to see that I'm leaning in. So what happened was the pandemic. And the pandemic was interesting because our business was booming in food and beverage, as you, you know. I mean, restaurants in every corner, everything was going great. Lines out the door. You, you know, you couldn't get reservations at places. They were, they would take deposits, you know, I mean, it was crazy, not our restaurants, but a lot of restaurants. And I, I, this last basketball season, it was the 18 to 19, no, no, 19 to 20 year basketball season. I was like, you know, this basketball season, I'm not going to hang around for the playoffs. And we weren't expecting to go to state or anything. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to take the kids to Hawaii for two weeks and at the end of February. So I get a condo, get my mom to come. We're like on the beach in Maui, two weeks, rolling around in the sand, literally time of our lives, tan. Um, it was wonderful. And we, but, and I always bring my laptop, but guess what I did during that time? I worked every single day because the world shut down while I was in Maui. So I got back March 6th and my kids went to school like two days and they pulled people out of school first, if you remember. Mm-hmm. So they like they stopped going to school essentially in February of that year. But everything shut down and everyone, you know, in our company was furloughed, save for a few of us. I was not. So I was like, 
I was held on to manage all of our sales for our concept. And um, I work on, in one of the concepts under the Landry's umbrella. And my work was like five times as much work because we didn't have support. We, our corporate office was shut down. We had no accounting, we had nothing, and we had to handle it. So obviously that's a lot of weddings and events and things being canceled. So I am really stressed out. And my kids are trying to homeschool and my husband's teaching from home. And he is from Missoula. He graduated from Sentinel High School. He played basketball there and through his basketball there, received a scholarship to play basketball at Whitman and where he got his teaching degree. So they reached out to him and said, hey, our basketball position is open. Would you consider coming back? And he goes, well, I need a job. I have to teach. And he's like, they're like, we'll get you a job. We'll get you a teaching job. We'll figure it out. And he's like, uh, I got to talk to my wife. So I said, okay, let's hop in the car. We came to Missoula. We looked around. And if you've ever been to Missoula, it's beautiful. Uh, it is what it is. It's a valley. It's surrounded by mountains. I, I'm looking out my window. I have good lighting here because you can probably see that's the window. See my glasses. Hey, I got the same thing here. Too. Yeah. So I'm you still in Oregon you? with good lighting. You understand. And it's all mountains. And I look out on two pastures mm -hmm. and the school is two blocks away. And I live 0.1 miles from the Bitterroot River where I walk along every day. Right. And so I was like, let's do it. And that I didn't take, that didn't take long. And so, but you had, I'm not going to call it a privilege because you earned it to get there, but you have the ability to think, well, I can keep my job and do it from here. I can <laughs> orchestrate that. And without that, that decision probably wouldn't have been as easy. We wouldn't have made the decision if we didn't have a secondary income. Mm -hmm. um, and I did. So it's an, an interesting story and I'll try to shorten it. But I called my boss and I said, what do you think? About? I said, I, I need your input. I need to talk to you as a friend. And he said, uh, it sounds like a great idea. Will you will your family be healthy? I'm, I'm like, yeah. And I was like, but I mean, I need my job. And it got to, you know, our senior vice president and our senior vice president of sales. And so here was kind of the biggest, the biggest things. And, and I hope it'll give some insight to my company. My, our senior vice president of operations, who I respect a lot said, Mackie, which they all call me Mackie because there's too many Melissa's said, Mackie, you need a place to live, something to do and someone to love. I know you have someone to love. We've got something for you to do. So go live wherever. And I mean, you want the tears? Those are the I was tears. Just gonna say, yeah. I hear tears. Or I feel all tears. you need from life. Right. And you know, you will be a better employee if you're with someone or have someone, whether it's a person or a pet, to love, because you need to love and you need a place to be, right? And something to do. And, and, and if you can touch on all three of those things, I think you can find pretty quite a bit of happiness. And then on the sales side, because I kind of have two sides, <laughs> my boss on that side was, it was a little more humorous and would make a little more sense. She goes, she was like, Miss Mackie, when you visit stores, what do you do? And I'm like, talk, people talk to me. They want to talk, 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 talk. She goes, 
when you're alone in an office, what happens? I'm like, I get so much done. She goes, exactly. Why don't you move away? Because we're going to get a lot more out of you. And little did I know it was my savior because I had so much work to do. So I am now able to, when I'm in my office, I don't have the distractions around me of making decisions that teammates need to learn how to make on their own. You know, that wasn't even the hard part. The hard part is selling a home and we had a 4,000 square foot, five bedroom home during a pandemic and then the whole freaking state lighting on fire. Mm, that? A, yeah, what a time. Yeah, so um, the houses here would sell the day they were listed and I didn't like half of them because either they didn't smell right or I didn't have a view and I would walk in and I'd be a great house and I'd walk out to the back and the house would look out onto another house. And I would just look at my husband. And I'd say, it's a great house, but that's not why I'm moving here. Uh-huh. I'm not, I'm not doing that. And he, he, cause he, we, we forget cause we get so excited about look at this and look at the great kitchen and everything. But it's like, no, I plan on being here for like at least 12 years. Like this is where my kids are going to grow up. I don't want to move again for a while. So one day I got a thing on my phone, ping from realtor.com. And it, this house went on the market and I had my agent go there and walk around with his cell phone. And we put an offer in that day. And, um, you know, you have to go way above, just like Portland, you have to go way above asking. I had to write a letter. I sent a photo of our family and we got it. And I didn't see it until we had moved here. I hadn't been inside of it. That's why you hire a realtor. However, that doesn't necessarily mean the realtor is going to have your sensibilities in mind. Um, yeah. But, you know, we're in an era where you can use a phone. Yeah. To yeah. Do that. So, so it worked out and I brought my podcasting equipment. I plan on setting it up. It's like right over there on the floor, like my soundboard and all the mics and everything. And I'm like, I know what I want to do. You know, I know what I want to do. But, I mean, I, I, we haven't even emptied out our last storage unit, you know. But my dreams are pretty big about what I want to do while I'm here. So. Well, you just got situated. And I know I saw you post the other day how nice it was to walk the kids to school a couple of blocks. And after this year of pandemic where you, you just you mentioned it. You not only had your kids at home who were at, you know, an age where they require a lot of attention, I would imagine. They got a lot of energy, but, you know, your husband is teaching others from home. And meanwhile, you're trying to deal with restaurants all over the country from your office. That's all, that is a lot to deal with. And it's really interesting that you've had space in your brain to, to, to start to develop what you want to do. I, I would think for most people, that'd be enough. Let me just deal with this and I'll get to the next stage. That's what my mom and my husband would say. They're like, this is enough. This is, You have a great career. You have a big career. You've got great, healthy children. You have a home. Like, you know, I mean, I have interests outside of just like my love for like food and beverage, you know, um, but like, like yoga, like I really love yoga, but that's just an hour a day. Right. I mean, you only have X number of hours in a day that you're not sleeping. I really uh, don't see it. that. I mean, and I wake up two hours before everyone else because of that. Um, but I have, I think we're all built differently and we all have different styles of self care. And 
my motivation part of my brain is really big and it dreams big, it dreams big. And then it goes, well, that's not big enough. And, and it dreams even bigger. And, you know, I kind of feel like it's great to have a body of work behind you and it's great to accomplish things, but I feel like the past is really only for fond memories and lessons learned. And like you, it's all about the future. And so secret, I'm turning 50 on Monday. So I, I'm really introspective at this time. I think it's pretty normal on those landmark ones. And I'm just like, I've got my journals are just packed with like, I'm going to, I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do this. But, you know, I think you can do anything. Anyone can do anything. I can. I mean, I, I 100% feel confident saying to you, expect a podcast. I got my website up. It's called eat Montana. And, um, you know, they call Montana the last best place. And I, my little line is, um, looking for the last best bite or the best bite of Montana. And that's my goal is I want to, now I'm in this state that I have, I, I really don't, I don't even know the history of the darn thing, you know, and I have all of these restaurants and Missoula's kind of reminds me of Portland um, on a smaller scale. Back when I moved to Portland, I moved to Portland in 1990, like at the very beginning. So I got lucky. I got like, like the best 30 years out of that city. And then I was like, Oh, y'all going to blow up and, and fall apart. Gotta go. <laughs> so I feel, I feel fortunate in that sense. I mean, you know, kind of felt like Beyonce walking out of a building, throwing her cigarette behind and it's blowing it up. And I'm just walking along in my high heels. What's next? You know what I mean? But yeah, I, I, I feel super confident that you'll see a new podcast and you'll see, you know, uh, a lot more about food and restaurants. And here it's farming and ranching and, there's just a lot here. There's a lot. They're making wine. They're making a ton of spirits, tons of beer. You know, it's we live in a college town, and there's other college towns. So everyone's got a unique chapter. And um, it's good that you have one because you you had a, a fun time in Portland. Yeah. But you're still your your business still involves Portland, right? Your restaurant, you still have restaurants, Jake's. Uh, I was there all last week. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> everything's still here and you also have responsibility for restaurants elsewhere. So talk a little bit about, um, I don't want, I've been trying not to focus on the pandemic now. It's almost akin to what you were just saying in the past. We're going to learn from it. And, yeah. but, but yeah. talk just quickly for those of us who are still interested in the Portland, you know, in going out to eat in Portland and having places to go out and our friends having a livelihood and being able to sustain something. Talk a little bit about your thoughts about how you think Portland might come out of this. I, I think down the road, there's a lot of exciting things, but it takes a little creativity to see that versus other cities. Because every time I start talking about how dreadful it was here or has been someone points out well it's not the only city in the country that you know it's going on everywhere so let's hear your thoughts on that um okay uh 
you know, it's interesting just because I've, because I've had to like drive around and travel and do all this. Like I go to like towns that are like you pull into the gas station and there's no masks. There's no mask signs. There's nothing. You go down, the server's not, doesn't have a mask on. And you're just like, what is happening? Cause I'm still city girl. Right. And in Missoula, you still have to, but you know, anyways, so yeah, let's talk about, um, all of my restaurants are open. Uh, we didn't shut anyone down in Portland and, um, and that's a blessing. Uh, one thing that you do, I think as a big company is you reevaluate every employee, everything you own. And you really, if you, if you can't, you don't hold on to something that doesn't make profit, right? That's, that's just good business. You have an opportunity to no longer maybe work with employees that, didn't show up for work half the time or, you know, now, now you get to start over. Here's what's going to happen to Portland and what's happening right now. And you probably already know this, but I'm very close to it because it is an issue. It is nationally as well, but we can just narrow it down to Portland. We are opening. I know we slid back to like 25% two days ago, but we should be back up in two weeks. I mean, it's going to be like that, you know, and especially with, you know, it taking a while to get the vaccinations. So we're open, but we can't find employees. We can't find um, particularly backup house employees, um, servers, dishwashers. Um, ser servers are hard to find as well. We have been around so long. A lot of our servers have worked for us for 15 years, right? So we've been like, they're like friends, you know, all of, I think of like Jake's catering, you know, it's a huge operation. We're all in contact. I mean, we were so in contact beforehand that you still are and you keep everyone updated on what things look like. So we have a grip on in some areas, but the problem is, is um, people who produce food, you know, they don't want to come off of, um, and, and I'm saying this because this is what we're hearing. First thing it was, hey, can you bring me back on your next round of rehiring? Right. So say you're OK, we've got to bring in we've we've kept our chef and our GM. Well, now we've got to bring in, you know, the assistants and then the next level of management. Right. And um, but now that we've gotten to that point, um, that's where you're starting to actually hear, hey, can you put it off? Or people have entirely changed what they're doing. They're like, I don't want to work on the line anymore. And I don't want to, you know, um, I don't want to be away from my kids now, you know, things like that. So we don't have workers in Portland. We don't have people who want jobs. Like I have positions that are salaried positions that have things that a lot of people didn't have when they left their last jobs who are still out of work. And I have had communications that are like, Ooh, that sounds like a lot of work. Well, after a year of doing nothing, not much, yeah, it's a lot it does of work. sound like a lot of work. It is a lot of work and, and it's going to be a lot of work and dedication. And, you know, it's, well, if this isn't your industry, then this probably isn't a conversation we should really even be in. Right. right. So I, I'm, I think it clears up maybe people you had on your staff who really didn't ever want to work. It's just, I think there's workers and there's people who, just don't want to work. Does that make sense? Well, yeah, but I also think when um, unemployment starts ending, that's going to change. And, you know, I saw 
Lisa Schroeder post on Facebook yesterday that you do realize if you turn down a job, you're not eligible for unemployment. And I don't know, I, I'm not in that, but I don't know how people, anybody would police that to prove that someone was offered a job unless the, unless the restaurant reports that I offered this person a job and they, but I don't think many restaurant owners want to be the bad guy when it's a small world out there uh, reporting people not report uh, accepting jobs. So it seems to me to be a really difficult situation for a restaurant owner right now. And then, you know, let's face it, Landry's has, I don't know, but I assume bigger pockets than some of our small, you know, family. Coming back at their previous salary. Even right, but, but you had you, you had pockets to stay open and and not worry about it as much as some of the others. And let's face it, you're Jake's, you know, maybe not the catering operation, but the restaurants are were right in the heat of the you know the hell down there. So there are a lot of there are a ton of restaurants downtown we'll never see again because they were small operators and they can't they couldn't sustain it. I assume Landry's can amortize some of the losses amongst, you know, a uh, larger area. So you have that advantage, but it's you interesting. Like, the South, like Texas and Atlanta and Florida. <laughs> yeah, just that. But, but it's, it's interesting to hear how, um, you know, one of the larger companies with Portland roots um, yeah. is handling all that. So, you know, Jake's, I always felt was a, Really interesting scenario because we live in a because Portland is an area where if you succeed, you're a bad guy, right? So if you do too well and it's sell, always frustrated me. Yeah, it's always frustrated me because yeah, I'm. It's it's a thing. It's like oh, you're you're successful and you're you're growing your brand or doing whatever, and you know I mean it's it's everyone gets that you know you're small until you're big and then we don't like you and then I mean. You know, honestly, like, I feel like I can't eat, I'm scared to talk about, now I don't care um, as much because I'm not there as much. I guess I do care. I do care. But I just feel like if you show that you're successful, then people, there's too much, too much immaturity. Hey, Chris, let's pause just a moment to talk about one of our favorite places to eat here in Portland, and that would be Ringside Steakhouse. Right now, you can enjoy it again. And I understand you went Sunday night, Court. I did. And, you know, what's interesting is, you know, I know I know we live in Blazer Nation. I'm a Trailblazers fan when they're not playing the Utah Jazz, Chris. And as I was sitting there in in the uh, dining room with my family, I looked up on the wall, and what did I see? None other than Utah Jazz's Carl Malone, the second most highest scoring NBA player of all time, wrote a little note, and I'm sure this goes back a few years, but uh, Carl Malone saying, this is the best prime rib in Portland. Speaking of that, that's cool that you saw that. Yeah. But you can get their their, uh, prime rib for takeout on Wednesday night, which is great. Um, it's a good deal. So just go to their website and pop that in and pick it up and enjoy that at home. Yeah, you can't really beat it. It's their three-course prime rib dinner every Wednesday night. And you can either go pick it up, but they're also uh, uh, making it available to go via DoorDash. So that's another way to have it delivered to your house. 
That is that. That's good for those people in Portland. That would be great. Yep. Also, another place to go is just go to ringsidesteakhouse.com uh, or to Open Table to uh, make a reservation inside or outside at Ringside. It's nice to finally get out, not only be able to dine outside, but be able to dine inside if you so please um, at Ringside. Yeah, and I know we've talked about this a lot, Chris. Nothing is better than the service that you get at Ringside Steakhouse. They they take care of you, and that was the case for me and my family Sunday night when we were there. But as you pointed out, Chris, the weather is turning. It's spring in the Pacific Northwest, and it's beautiful outside, so why not enjoy a little bit of outdoor dining? And you hit the nail on the head. You know, we've all missed our restaurants. We've missed certain things about them, but uh, you know, we've and many of us have enjoyed takeout food. But what I miss is service. And there is no better place uh, for service than Ringside Steakhouse. So to get back into the swing of dining out, I think Ringside is uh, not only a great start, but a great idea. That's right. And as you mentioned earlier, Open Table can get your reservations or just head on over to ringsidesteakhouse.com. It's, it's, it's so situational. I think we know what black and white infractions are, right? Um, or right and wrong, I suppose is probably. Um, it's, I think it's gonna be a really tough time to come back to our industry. I think that a lot of the infighting that occurred will make it even harder and has turned a lot of people off from even, a lot of people have left the industry and moved away. Um, and I'm not sure what that means. And, and what it doesn't do is it doesn't, oh, all the competition's gone. That's not what happens. You just get more people will come in and it will just look different. Portland is going to rise again. Portland, you can't not. You're, you have the fruit of the ocean. You have wine. You have some of the best beer in the world. You have um, some of the best, literally some of the best water to create things, you know, um, the seafood, the meat, the, I mean, it's just, you have everything there. So, you know, restaurants will never not be a thing, but Chris, I think that you and I are going to see from our angle of having reported on so much and especially having like reported and interviewed during the, what I would consider until there's another one, the glory days of the restaurant tour, um, in Portland, um, I think it would be interesting to have this conversation in five years and say, you know, well, this is what it looks like. Because here's what I see downtown, okay, since you didn't ask. Because <laughs> I think about this a lot. My job is to find money. Like, how are we going to make money? Like, I won't lie. I am in this industry to make my company money, and I'm good at it. And I look at things as opportunities and I see those hotels going up. One of our restaurants is housed in a hotel, right? But that restaurant and, and, and so maybe the hotels can have some competition. Sure. But the reason why we built all these hotels and all these brands came and we did the convention thing is because we want to encourage conventions, right? And as these restaurants close and new ones reopen, when you come to town and you click onto Yelp like any good Midwesterner will, do you know what comes to the top? The ones that have been there forever. I want a classic Portland restaurant. I want seafood. You know, I, that's 
you have to think about what that person's going to do because it's going to become a destination city because of all those hotels. Like the Ritz is going in, you know? Yeah, I wonder what those meetings are like right now. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Like having 26,000 square feet in a, in a space of wedding and catering space and getting more hotel rooms is literally like goosebumps and hair standing on. Like I couldn't call those sales teams fast enough. I was just like, hey, <laughs> you know, because it's exciting because, there, you, you know, the buildings that we're in, um, they only have so many hotel rooms and it's mostly like individual business travel. So um, it's exciting. And then the people coming, um, you know, just to travel. And if you come to town, like, where are you going to eat? Like, you want to eat on the waterfront? She got you covered, you know. Jake's famous crawfish pops to the top of everything. But that's down the road quite a bit because we have to get to the point where A, hotels are opening and then people are comfortable with travel again. And then we've got to get over those images that were all over the world of Portland burning. You know, they, they chose the two blocks to, um, I mean, it was, it's bad. I don't mean to say that, but that right. was what people saw all over the world. And then, you know, it's going to take a while for that, for that impress. You know, I can just see the day where we're going to have to pull our friends aside and say, no, that's not what it is. What about all this other world that we saw in 2000 that I saw when I came in 2005 with the coast and the mountains, all the things that, that travel Oregon did these beautiful videos. Those are going to need to come out and travel Portland, but, yeah, we'll need those. Uh, but listen, it's going to I take just, a while to get there. I, I disagree. And, um, and I hope I'm right. Okay. So the reason why I disagree of those things being an issue is that I have, um, you know, properties that I work with in different cities, such as like Atlanta. And if you remember the riots in Atlanta, which it is extreme there. Um, and, uh, our restaurant in the Atlanta CNN building was the one that was on the news. It was the one that, I mean, we had to renovate the entire thing. They were throwing our furniture. I remember sitting there going, wait, uh, that's an M&S. Hold the phone, you know, and we, and it was like all the windows. I mean, there is no comparison for what happened there because, I mean, it was like, like things through the, I mean, it was intense, you know, I mean, I'm sure other places have had this happen as well. Line, line out the door. We can't see people fast enough. The the events rooms are filled all the time. Listen, this is, April is the month to prove me wrong. So that's what everybody's been doing on the podcast. When I throw a hypothesis out there, like you're wrong. Atlanta, <laughs> that was yes, it was. It was CNN, but Portland was the poster child for this for what was going on, and and so. I, I don't know. I don't I don't care if I'm right or I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong with that because and part of you know my business is that people will want to travel again. And I do believe that people there's a pent up demand to get the fuck out and go places. But you know, as far as Portland as a destination, I hope it doesn't take years. And then the other positive thing that you know as well as I is all of a sudden you know, when we, back in 2005 through 2010, one of the reasons the scene grew the way it did is because there was reasonable 
cost, you know, uh, rent, there were reasonable rents where someone could be creative and open up their restaurant and not have to worry about revenue as much as they do right now. And I think there might have been a little reset going on as far as rents, because now some folks are going to be able to get in who can find money and it's there. I mean, we're just because the pandemic hit doesn't mean we weren't at 2020 when a lot of the money from elsewhere was coming in here and was planning on coming in. So it'll still be there. But I, you know, I just worry. I just hate the idea that Portland, and I also hate the idea that Portland looks the way it does still. Yeah, um, like visually. Oh my God. It's just terrible. Have you followed the Instagram? Uh, Portland looks like shit. Yes. I, oh. I mean, th so that's in my mind. And, you know, therefore, yeah, it's tough. So. so so let me tell you one more thing why I just want to throw this out there. Um, it's it's not about the lowered rents piece that you're talking, which I think is going to have to happen, right? But it is about um, us being a travel destination or a convention destination, which I think the conventions will probably be, um, probably you know, a big way to get a lot of revenue in a lot of people's pockets quickly. And I think it's because, you know, we bid on conventions and it's all about hotel rates. That's one of the biggest expenses. And those hotel rates shouldn't be very high. They should be extremely competitive, right? I thought they got insane for Ridiculous. Portland. Because when I came to, when I came to explore living here, I was staying at the Monaco. I remember this for mm -hmm. like 110 yeah. a night. Right? They were and, famous for the $99 rate. I remember that. Right. So I stayed at the Monaco. Mm -hmm. I, I jumped around to different hotels so I would get a feel for the city. So I stayed down at what, whatever, that one on the Willamette River, the Wonder River Place. place. And mm -hmm. then I stayed at the Benson and I mm -hmm. stayed, still one of my favorites is yeah, the, like Inn Northrop the Inn at Northrop Station, I think it is. I love that place. But that was, I remember, like $75, $90 a night back then. And then it jumped to everything. Was it like 2006? Yeah, that was, so I was, yeah. that was 2004. 2004. Uh, 2003, mm -hmm. 4, around then, you know. And here I stayed at the Inn at North Station, and I had no clue that there was this place, Paley's Place, right in the back, you know, in the parking lot, practically. Mm -hmm. I look back on that, and I think it's pretty hilarious. My first real food, and I thought it was incredible, was some food at Moo Moo's right by the... Moo's, yeah. Yeah. Non so I remember yeah. being floored by Moo Moo's, and little did I know what I was going to learn over the next 15 right. years. They started hiring chef chefs, you know, bars did. Right. It was like, that was a whole thing. Like, bars had like, like sauce box. When Saucebox opened, it was like literally like a club. It was like you go to Saucebox and then you and you'd party and then you'd go to Panorama or something. And it became like this, you know, really chef driven, like, oh, have you had the, you know, the salad rolls or this, you know, stuff? And you'd have like your birthday dinner there, you know? So I think it's funny <laughs> to look back and know that Gregory Gorday was like a probably a sous chef there and then becoming executive chef at some point. Now look at where he is. And when I first met Gregory at departure, I thought, here's this, if you would have told me, here's this guy who's going to be on Top Chef judging and a personality. When I met him, he was so shy. He barely said a word when we were putting together an event there. And if you would have told me that's going to be that guy, I would have been, I would have been surprised. I am just 
so happy for him and so many others who've. He deserves it. He oh. he's a hard worker all the time, you yeah. know. And he focuses on what he's doing, and it's apparent. Like that, that's his focus. His focus. He he literally stays in his lane. Like I, I consider him an example, and because of that, the right things happen, and he keeps looking forward. Right. He's you done. And it, but I just think when you're talking about Saucebox and yeah, Moo Moo, the st- these bars were forced to figure out how to present great food because of the laws in Oregon, or I guess. Oh, yeah. So they had to, they have, they couldn't just have a bar without food. And so when you've got, it's a beautiful study in the markets, where you know competition and supply and demand. When you've got other people down the street, hey, they're serving great food. I guess we can't survive if we're not doing yeah. that in Portland. And that's the same way all the restaurants happen and they will continue to happen. The beautiful thing about Portland is there's the bar is so high. I would have to hearken back to, you know, days when, you know, we didn't have so, so many troubles and so many lessons that we had to learn in a dramatic fashion, um, which I get you know, looking back on your show, your favorite guests over the years, do you have, do you have a couple that you remember as, oh my God, that if I had to send out, if you're auditioning to be, have a food show on CNN and you needed to send that one, send one or two episodes out, who would it be? Oh, that, that's definitely a hard one because that's like, like eight years with like 40 episodes a year or something yeah. like that. Um, some of the ones that really stuck out to me when one was Trudy Tolliver with um, the farmer's market, Portland farmer's market. Um, incredibly. Uh, that was just a great one. Um, the really fun ones were when we were doing the, um, the, the bar episodes um, I don't remember what we were calling him. It had a really cute name, but you can find them all. But they were with Ryan Chonky uh-huh. <laughs> and he would bring spirits makers in. And then and and the comedy, it was literally just a comedy hour where you learned how to make drinks at home. And I just just laughed and took like Snapchat pictures of those guys because because I had I did not have to do anything. And it was so entertaining. So any of those episodes, um that's what what happens in the simple kitchen stays in the simple kitchen. That's where that came from because it was like there was so much of the button pushed, the dump button. Um, uh, all right, Missy, Melissa, Mrs. Mackey, thank mm-hmm. you very much. We appreciate your taking the time. I was looking forward to this, and uh, it was as fun and interesting as <laughs> I can imagine. And thanks for correcting me on it. Disagreeing with me, let's put it that way. Oh, yeah. This was my last episode. It was three of them where I threw a few hypotheses out there. No, <laughs> were they like, that's not no, the deal. No. no. <laughs> but it's good. We, that's why we learn. I, I view myself as a, more of a lay person anyway who's just having conversations. So this was a good one. And thank you so much. We'll be in touch. You bet. Thank you. I appreciate it. Okay. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. Right